Hello and welcome to Get With The Programme with me, Michael Sheridan. This series is all about the TV and digital industry in conversation with the people who work in it. There's a bit of a twist on this edition of the podcast as not only will we be chatting to an array of industry professionals about their work, we'll also be exploring television and digital content's power to be a catalyst for substantial and impactful change in society. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into TV and digital content's place in a post-pandemic world. Oh, and thanks for not skipping intro. Today I'm joined by Biker Grove star, actor, writer, producer and broadcaster Sajid Varda. Sajid has been working in the entertainment industry for over 25 years, is co-chair of the BFI Screen Advisory Group and the founder of UK Muslim Film. Hello, Sajid. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Get With The Programme podcast. How are you? Thank you, Michael. I am very well. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. Well, thank you for giving us your time and and chatting to us. Um, So let's start off then. So what TV have you you been watching then recently, Sajid? Uh, I was actually just catching up with uh, Cobra Kai. (laughs) My little cousin is like loves cobra kai i've not seen it actually maybe i need to give it a whirl it is definitely it definitely is worth a watch i, th- I think you feel it more w- if you've been one of those uh, if you've been somebody who's grown up in the 80s when you revisit those same cast members those same characters it's definitely a, a great experience that's it and, and speaking of sort of revisiting uh, younger days mm. um let's sort of go back to the start of your career then how you started out what you were doing before you got into telly and yeah just give us an overview of, of how you how you began i suppose where it all started for me was when i joined a um a boys choir our musical di- director who's michael crab he gave me so many opportunities and this is at a time where race was still an issue and for me being born and raised in a town which is predominantly, you know, I suppose, white families. What he told me is that, look, he only gives based upon merit. And after that, I just got this wonderful opportunity to audition for a comedy series, which was called uh, Teenage Health Freak on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. I got the part. I was one of the supporting lead cast. It was a brilliant series uh, written by Daniel Peacock. And again, what was really rare about this Channel 4 comedy is that there were no stereotypes. And and what was lovely is that they just wrote the characters as normal people. And, you know, I was starting out in a a time, this is the 1990s. Really, I was one of very few minority ethnic actors, especially from the Asian community, um, who was on TV at the time. So, yeah, it was pretty daunting, but it was a great experience. And I suppose what was a turning point was Biker Grove. Uh, that was uh, a huge storyline around racism. And it was exciting. It really was. Uh, this was, uh, for the show, it was a real turning point. This is after Anton Deck had left. And they really wanted to start talking about topical issues. And racism was one they really wanted to tackle head on. So they let me you know, choose the character name and they let me bring a lot of my own personal experiences into the story. And that, for me, really informed the way I work. I mean, that that's absolutely amazing, um, that, that concept of, you know, kind of bringing your whole self to something. In the 90s, it's really quite groundbreaking to have, you know, a, a, a storyline, you know, like that, because you, you were the first Muslim character, right, in Biker Grove, and to be looking at things like racism at that time. Uh, yeah, I, I think someone told me, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know if this is true, I haven't really researched it, but someone said I was probably the first lead Muslim actor in a youth drama. Racism, again, it, it's a very personal experience, and there was an actual alive experience that we faced while we were filming on location, 
where the crew and the cast really felt what it must be like to face racism. Uh, and as we were filming this scene, uh, there were people who were coming out, you know, they were kind of raising objections to us being there. And in particular, me being there, I was the only, I was the only ethnic face, right, in the whole in a sea of a cast and crew. A guy came out with these dogs and he said, look, unless you get rid of that, P. He used uh, he was very uh, used offensive language. He said, "I'm going to set my dogs on him," and so you can imagine what the reaction must have been like for the crew because they they literally circled around me and said, "Don't worry, we've got your back." Then I was having the crew coming up to me one after the next. Just one was one was actually crying, and the others were just you could see were emotional, saying, "We just we just until today we don't we never really understood or." you know, what it must be like to face it. But this was firsthand. And it just made the scene even better <laughs> as we filmed it because it just it just uh, made it very real uh, for everyone there. But it was a wonderful experience. And then everything since then as well, I've been very fortunate with the roles I've had that there haven't been stereotypes. And I think that's, been, that's really rare. Because, but I think that... Up until nine eleven, it was it was kind of mainly around race. It only started becoming about faith, and I suppose identity post nine eleven, uh, when we found that the uh, the Muslim community and the Islamic faith uh, suddenly found itself under a microscope um, and under the world's gaze. And really, we were just um, in a very difficult spot because then a lot of what we were seeing on TV and film was very anti-Muslim, anti-Islam, and just so many tropes. Uh, it just, I suppose, even even now, it's made the Muslim community, not just here, but probably around the world, just not feeling very valued and appreciated and a part of society. So it's definitely had a, a, a negative impact. So tell me a little bit about what UK Muslim film is and what's its purpose. UK Muslim film is a hub. It's, it's a hub really for Muslim creators within the industry at all levels to, to network, to, um, to develop their skill sets and to really be able to show their work with uh, public audiences with a view also to being that soundboard or that advisory for the industry on authenticity and and to ensure more truthful portrayals as well and and how do you feel do you feel like there's been much change in terms of you know representations there has been some change and the reason why i say that is that since we launched as a charity in, in april of 2021 with the with the support of the bfi you know we've been consulting on various projects on the development phase uh, stages from uh, scripts to reviewing scripts and making suggestions around dialogue, characterization, etc., through to even staging scenes as well. And we're finding that there is a lot of misinformation and misconceptions around Muslims and Islam. And a lot of these are dealt with through just an initial conversation where we're kind of putting the record straight. We're finding that after initial conversations with the production team, you know, they they have said that. Look, you know, we didn't we didn't realize that. And I think a big part of the problem is if you don't have or know somebody who is Muslim or of, of the Muslim of the Islamic faith, then sometimes you will carry misconceptions based on what you've heard or what you've seen 
without really untruly understanding whether what is being said is correct or not. Uh, so people do hold sometimes hold biases as well. So yeah, what we found is there is a change, there is a shift. It's slow. It's still very difficult for minority ethnic writers to get work commissioned. We're finding writer schemes are still very much skewed in favour of people with some credits already. Speaking to filmmakers, docu- documentary filmmakers, they're, they're still telling me that you know, broadcasters, streaming platform love their ideas, but they want them to, they won't commission them directly, but they want them to go through another production company, almost through like a co-production. And you'll find a lot of these production companies that they speak of are, are predominantly white. Uh, and this is something that, you know, we are looking to tackle and, and really ensure that there is broad representation from not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera at all levels to make sure that there is proper representation uh, and making sure that if there is a Muslim story, that Muslims really are in control of that narrative. I know that broadcasters are, and even the streaming platforms, are trying to address this. Is it happening fast enough? No. Uh, Is there still um, resistance from executives? Yes. It depends on what your worldview is. You know, what decision-making process, what criteria are you using to decide this is the one that you want to work on or that you want to commission or green light? Future of Den is why do you like that idea? And what you'll find is that idea tends to be one, if it's around Muslims, a really edgy, um, kind of on the border of literally controversial, very tropey, somewhere in their mind it's, this is the kind of messaging that they believe in. It chords with what they believe. But also because they feel that actually, if you make it edgy and you make it controversial, that is a kind of a formula for success. Rather than looking at, hold on, but are we representing that community fairly? When you demonize a minority ethnic group, or if you show, if you continuously show them in a negative light, it has a direct impact on that community. In that, if you look at post 9-11, when the media, and even the media today, still goes out on a, it's almost an all-out attack on Islam and trying to skew the news in a way that kind of feeds into people's existing anxieties. What they don't realise is that that influences people and drives them to start abusing that community that's being demonised, whether it's online or even physically. So we saw, I mean, there have been many attacks. There have been some murders. If you look at Mohammed Salim, 2013, he was murdered by somebody who was a a right-wing extremist who also tried to blow up three mosques as well. Now, there are many like him, and there are even there's even one recently who wanted to kill thousands of Muslims. Yeah, I saw that. Very tragic. It drives people to attack and harm Muslims. For example, there have been several incidents as of late where the media has been so quick to say, yes, this is a Muslim, he's a refugee. And it turns out, actually... He wasn't even of the Muslim faith, but he converted out of the Muslim faith 
you have to also understand it will have its consequences because sadly it gives a license to the less informed to go out and start abusing people. And it is very dangerous. And that's the key message is you have to be careful. You know, you have to weigh up whether the cost, the profit that you feel you're going to get or the adulation or the accolades from a particular show that you're putting together is worth the the hurt the upset and even the you know the um the abuse of of an entire community so there's there's very much um a kind of real world impact then from from these decisions because i think that we we as an we as an industry talk a lot about the importance of diversity and inclusion you know and, and people being seen and knowing that they can go in those careers and that's you know is talked about a lot but i think maybe what's not talked about yeah as much is like you say these these kind of it's actually a very very serious like consequences if if people continue it to is. perpetuate these stereotypes and these tropes it's so entrenched because as soon as you say islam or muslim you no longer really associate it with peace or charity or faith humanity it's all about terrorism and and negative connotations and, and that's where the problem lies. Our perception of the world, everything is really, it's not based around personal experience. Everything that we know, I would say, is about what we hear others say, what we see on TV, social media, podcasts, newspapers, radio and TV. So you can appreciate that anyone who can use those mediums to their advantage can lit can effectively just shape reality. Yeah, it's that thing of with with great power comes comes great responsibility. And um, but these kind of um, unconscious biases, like you say, yeah. are so ingrained in the culture and in and in people's minds. And it's just kind of I suppose finding ways finding ways to tackle that. So so talk to me a little bit about the 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 the, the Riz test, which was following uh, it was Riz Ahmed's speech wasn't it um to parliament so Riz test um came about i believe from Saudia and Jaff really the Riz test is about a way in which you can understand whether a particular i don't know show or film is um you know passes a particular test of of kind of acceptability so it's similar to the Bechtel test then yeah yeah absolutely everything's kind of based around five points. I think one is, um, are the characters talking about um, or are they the victim of or a perpetrator of terrorism? Is that character presented as irrationally angry? Are they presented as superstitious, backwards, anti-modern? Are they portrayed as a threat to the Western way of life? If it's a, a male character, are they misogynistic? If it's female, is she... Is she being portrayed as, as oppressed? If there are any of those that are yeses, then the show fails a test. The RIS test did some amazing research over the last 120 years of film, and it was over 87% of films that mentioned Muslims in Islam in some way failed the RIS test. There's a history as well in Hollywood where there has been a demonization of different groups, of minority ethnic groups, it's only now that you're find you're seeing that the black community has made amazing strides in being in being leads, you know, as being the main writers of shows, main creators of shows, um, having 
all all black cast as well and being extremely successful we're seeing the trend is now going for um southeast asians so with, with crazy crazy rich asians was um, a, you know a box office success so you're finding there are these trends now and it just seems that when it comes to muslims it's it's a lot slower and even though we we make up about 1.8 billion around the world in terms of about the total population you know we are still being portrayed as backward evil misogynist um oppressed and a threat to you know everyone's way of life which is kind of unusual because with 1.8 billion muslims if we all thought that way there wouldn't be much of a world left i think it would have been destroyed by now and it's it's completely illogical as well to imagine that that number of people could could share you know all of, you know all of all of these tropes it's just absolute like it's madness it's like you know sort of stereotyping the entire continent it's it's ridiculous it is um, and sort of yeah and, and sort of looking towards like solutions mm. um talk to me a little bit about how you uh, the story of how you established uh uk muslim film what i was finding is that a lot of the roles that as an actor i was getting post 9-11 were all really focused around terrorism i think the one i was really excited about and i was so confused uh, in a really great way, was um, going up for the role of Freddie Mercury's dad in Bohemian Rhapsody, which was a bit of a turn up for the books, frankly. Uh, but everything else was, again, very much around terrorism. It was only when I uh, was um, called into audition for a, a short film, it's called The Chop, and it was just, just really well done, really simple script. It wasn't tropey at all in any way, shape or form. We had the premiere of the chop at the uh, UK Jewish Film Festival. Went there with my family. It was a bit of a uh, kind of a, a strange environment because predominantly the crowd was Jewish, which is fine. I mean, for us, we've grown up around other faiths, uh, so it wasn't an issue. But uh, you tell it, you know, people are a little bit uneasy because here were a group of seven people, obviously looking Muslim. Uh, I went up to do a part of the Q and A. I went up there and I I put on the thickest Arab accent I could do. Uh, my cast members, but especially my director, would look at me thinking, what is he doing? And, you know, the room just went silent and I coughed and then I put on the most poshest English accent. And it was just like this raucous applause and laughter. What that really helped me understand is that, look, film can be really powerful. The Chop went on to win over 54 international awards. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, and But that shows you the strength of that message. It was really from that, which I thought, you know what? I want to set something up which is really helping people to understand our faith, our community, and and to be able to bring that to the mainstream, to really, to really address those misconceptions, which was really important for me. And, and I set it up in 2016. And what was lovely is the year later, Riz made this beautiful speech um, around diversity, uh, which kind of uh, really helped me in my in my drive to get this uh, charity up and running. The BFI and and everyone else have just been amazing supporters of our work so far. And our work is very very simple. What we're doing is saying to the industry, look, there is a different way of approaching this. Having more authentic, truthful portrayals of Muslims on screen is actually good for business as well. Having broader representation 
will also help make a community feel valued and you'll be able to attract more talent in the industry who right now are feeling very, I suppose, what's the word, victimized or feeling unwelcome. Come to us when you have a story that you want to run by us just to make sure that it's not lazy storytelling. Whether it's developing the idea, where it's looking at characters, where it's looking at the dialogue, staging scenes, we will give you and that authenticity. And what that does is that builds a real trusting relationship with the audience, but brings a whole new demographic to your show as well. I get a kick out of helping people fast track their careers. That for me is what I want to do. I want to get that door wide open and get as many Muslim creatives, you know, who've got that passion, that drive, and that talent to get into the industry and get them into those roles where they're going to be able to make a difference because they are our amazingly talented people out there, but they're just not getting a chance. And that is something that we are looking to address. So that's really the work of what we're doing. And so far, the, the, the response has been amazing. I remember when we launched, you got in touch. I did, I did, And yes. for me, it was, you said, you know, let's have a conversation. Yeah, I was, I, I do that thing where I sort of slide into people's DMs <laughs> and think, right, we'll do a project together at some point. I don't know yeah. what it is yet, yeah. but we'll do something. <laughs> it's and, an and, example of and that. And true to your word, yeah. you did that. And that's why I did. I, I, you know, I am so encouraged by you and by others like the BFI, like BAFTA, like all these individuals on our advisory team, our patrons and the people who are doing, I suppose, you know, volunteering with us as well, who are saying we're with you. And for me, that's great because you are the ones that are going to help us be able to make that change. But what you don't understand right now is that what you're doing is such important work because if you can encourage a a broadcaster or show creators just to change the way they're portraying a community so that it's one less statistic of abuse or a victim of hate crime or murder, that's a huge thing in itself. And so what I don't want people to do is kind of underestimate their contribution. So again, a huge thank you to you as well, because again, it's lovely to meet people who are true to their word as well. Thank you, Sarge. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I think, you know, hopefully there's kind of a ripple effect of, uh, as well. But again, I think it's just really important, like you say, to focus on like the actual like seriousness of this. Like, you know, there's the sort of some some kind of real world consequences, you know, to to these portrayals. Um, and then so with the slogan, uh, change the scripts, I thought that was um, that you have on the UK Muslim film website. I thought that was um, a really kind of good way of succinctly sort of describing what you do. I suppose, as you say, it just kind of... It kind of just says it, doesn't it? It's about change the script, change what's written, be innovative, be creative, be new, be different. We're supposed to be a creative industry, so why don't we create? Unless there is a real urgency or an importance to have to tell that story, which, which again, lends itself to have to perpetuate those stereotypes, then so be it. But don't expect people to like it. Don't expect people to... Um, like your next project because you're going to end up just being tarnished and you're going to have a damaged brand, frankly. And I think we just have to be very, very blunt about it. So I love it when, you know, we just I just worked with um, uh, Rob Williams on his Channel 4 drama Screw 
and I worked with him on one episode, which was around a prisoner who was supposed to be, um, you know, a converted Muslim. But the way he wrote it and kind of flipped it on its head was brilliant. And I really loved it because, again, it spoke to reality. It spoke to lived experience, too. And that's why, you know, I, I love working with people like Rob. And, and there are other productions that we're working on at the moment, like with um, uh, Lime Pictures, who are, have optioned a book by Zainab Meehan, a wonderful, talented children's author. And we're, you know, we are, you know, turning that book series into a TV series. And that would be probably the first Muslim lead family in a in a youth in in a, in a kids show on tv amazing and and what kind of um projects have you got sort of lined up in the future that uk muslim films you know what sort of things are in the pipeline so we're really building our relationship with the broadcasters at the moment there are various projects both tv and film where we're being asked as and when we're ready would you mind supporting us other things uh, in terms of audience engagement we're looking at putting together the muslim international film festival we are working with some amazing distributors production companies streamers and broadcasters to host events around the country for local communities so we're doing um, pop-up cinemas which is going to be incredible because what we're going to do, we're going to be highlighting a lot of work from Muslim filmmakers. Amazing. I think that will go a long way also to helping really build bridges with mainstream audiences too, which is really important right now, building bridges and for people to understand us as a community, to get a kind of a, a view into our lives, just really opening as many doors as possible for our creative um, community. That's really where our focus is and, and just, again, working with the industry to make change. And we've got great things planned with BFI as well um, around really suggesting changes for the industry, even around um, hiring practices as well. So, you know, there's a lot to come and it's really exciting time. No, it sounds super exciting and it's, it's really inspirational as well. Um, and sort of touching on then, you spoke about Muslim creatives and opening doors. So what advice would you give them to to, to, to getting a foot in the door? No, absolutely. No, I, I would, our door is open freely for anyone, right? Even our film fund that we're going to be announcing soon is open not just for Muslim creatives, but any creative. And there are people who are disadvantaged in many ways. It could be financially, it could be racially, it could be because of faith, whatever it is. You know, we want to try and be that agent of change and to be able to help those disadvantaged to get a foot into the industry, which is very elitist. And let's be, let's be honest about it. We're going to be hosting events. We've got this um, live interview series starting called UK Muslim Film Presents, speaking to the movers and shakers in the industry, talking about their projects, talking about inclusion, diversity. There's going to be a lot of inspirational talks around how people have made it in the industry, what their tips for success are, and really holding the industry to account too. So even if you're not from the Muslim community, that's fine. Get in touch. Become a member. Join us for these sessions because... I'm up for helping anyone, right? Anyone who really feels that they're struggling, I want to be able to help you. Even though it's called UK Muslim Film, we're here to really help as many people as we can, just to see how many people that we can fast track into the industry and, and help them get on their way to this 
amazing career and probably one of the best industries in the world. Well, it sounds really amazing and like you've got loads of exciting stuff planned. With this, with this series of the podcast, I'm really keen to look at, you know, why television is, is so powerful. So why do you think storytelling and television and media uh, can make change? I mean, I'm actually reminded by a quote. Uh, this quote is from Carlos Cortez. First, whether intentionally or unintentionally, both the news and the entertainment media teach the public about minorities about other ethnic groups and societal groups. This mass media curriculum has a particularly powerful educational impact on people who have little or no direct contact with members of the groups being discussed or treated. And thirdly, minorities realize, and this is supported by research, that the media influence not only how others view them, but how we view ourselves. So media is very, very powerful, but I remember growing up and the first time I, I didn't really actually realize I was different until someone actually called me um, and basically brought my color to my attention. And I kind of fast realized that when I met their parents, that's kind of where they, how they were influenced, their viewpoint was influenced. When they're exposed to those damaging narratives, which are based on fear, they start looking at their friends as, as different. They are then almost taught to distrust and be afraid of each other. When you then grow up, those influences have already fed into your mind. Imagine after Boris Johnson's comments, I think when he wrote an article back in 2014, when those comments came out where he referred, he made disparaging remarks around Muslims and black people. That led to a 375% increase in hate crime. We have to be accountable for what we say. And we have to be very careful with what we say because it can impact people in a, in, in a negative way. So absolutely, I think that media should be used for good, uh, but we just have to make sure that we're holding, as you said yourself, you know, we have to hold people to account, especially those who have that power. Uh, yeah, no, I think absolutely, you know, ag agree with the, those things you said. There's a real kind of chance to influence and make change and um, challenge perceptions. Um, well, thank you so much um, for joining me today, uh, Sajid. I really appreciate your time and, you know, giving us all of these uh, insights into, you, you know, your own career and into how Muslims are represented. And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot for people to take away. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. I go. It's absolutely, uh, absolutely honoured to be here. Really, thank you so much for asking. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. There'll be more episodes coming soon. Please share with anyone that you think might be interested. Now, roll credits. You've been listening to Get With The Programme, a podcast produced and hosted by me, Michael Sheridan, alongside the Edinburgh TV Festival and the TV Foundation's talent schemes. If you'd like to work in TV but don't know where to start, why not check out the Network Talent Scheme? It's helped thousands of people launch a media career, including me. Or, if you're already working in the industry, the Ones to Watch scheme can help you take the next big steps in your career. Head to thetvfestival.com to find out more, or check us out on Instagram and Twitter, that's at thenetwork underscore TV, and at ones to watch underscore TV. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Yeah.